So we have Jesus sending out his disciples today with specific instructions. But what I've come to appreciate, thanks to some other folks here in Detroit that I've listened to quite a bit, Dr. Mary Healy in particular, she loves to point out that Jesus just didn't send people out to talk to people. They didn't go around and just deliver a message. They delivered or communicated divine life and divine power. And it was that life and that power and the signs and wonders that accompanied the message, which really helped to drive home the message and helped people be open to receiving the word that they were hearing. Because what they were hearing was very shocking in many instances. And it was really challenging. Jesus would say things like, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, <laughs> whoever hates his brother will be liable to judgment. You know, so he was really radically inviting people to a deeper conversion, something that they had never really imagined. And so he was really <clears throat> surprising people all the time. Not just by what he said, but by what he did. And then the hope that he gave them by performing these miracles, by feeding them, by healing them, by driving out demons. So there was clearly something different about Jesus compared to other preachers that had come on the scene or even their own religious leaders. Oftentimes, those were the ones that Jesus was going after because they would lay up these heavy burdens for the people and then not lift a finger to help them. So Jesus came to definitely start a revolution. He was a revolutionary in the best sense. And I think today's second reading, it's really a, a deep one. There's a lot there. But we could perhaps just focus on the last paragraph here. Paul writes, In him you also, who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the first installment of our inheritance toward redemption as God's possession to the praise of his glory. So, you know, we as Catholics, you know, all Christians, right? We all talk about getting to heaven or what is it what does it take to get into heaven what do i have to do to get into heaven but i think for us catholic christians god has really gone out of his way to bring heaven to us even here and now in time i mean every time we celebrate the eucharist what happens right god comes down to this altar and into our hearts what else is heaven right but being in communion with God and with one another. Well, he makes that happen here and now. And it's precisely through the Holy Spirit that this all happens. And as I like to say, it's the Holy Spirit's job to communicate the power and the presence and the love and the mercy and the wisdom of God, right? The whole mystery of God. It's the Holy Spirit's job in particular, right? To make that present 
for us here and now. And I think that is, in a sense, what John Paul II was talking about when he talked about the new springtime of evangelization. He was talking about a greater awareness in modern times of this reality. We know that he was a champion of the Eucharist. We know that he was a champion of you know, promoting devotion to and a greater understanding of the Holy Spirit. He was a great devotee of Mary. And he was convinced that we were not only entering a difficult time in the church, a time of struggle, a time of battle, spiritual battle, but also a new springtime. But knowing how salvation history worked in the beginning, it was playing itself out in our day. And that's kind of what Paul is talking about. If you go back and meditate on that, for, on that second reading in particular, you'll see Paul is just kind of summarizing God's plan. And it's a mysterious plan. And God's ways are not our ways, but we look at Jesus crucified, and we know that he is risen. We know that he has ascended, and that together, Jesus and the Father poured out the Holy Spirit. You see those steps that were involved, those big steps that were involved in salvation history? What John Paul II wanted us to know is that those are being played out again in a very dramatic way in our day. And really, they're all meant to be played out and lived out in each of our lives as Christians all the time. You know, as Jesus said, you have to die in order to have life. And you need to be born again so that you can enter, so that you can live the life of heaven here and now. That's the Holy Spirit, right? It's through the Spirit that we are born again of water and the Spirit. And so I think that, for me, gives me a lot of hope. What John Paul II was able to see, that the church was going through these big, dramatic steps of salvation history in our day. But, you know, they end with a lot of hope and a lot of promise. So we, too, can reflect on on his life and his, his example and what God is doing in our lives today. And we can see, we can see that God has not abandoned us. God is at work. And he is very present in each and every one of our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the sacraments, in his church, Are there difficulties? Are there struggles? You know, is there confusion? No doubt. But I think, as Joan of Arc said, and as uh, this priest here in Detroit likes to say, Father Ricardo, we were born for this. We were born for this. We were born for this time. We were born, you could say, for this particular time, and we all have a particular mission, a particular part to play in what is happening. God is the ultimate protagonist, but he calls each and every one of us to be protagonists in our own right. 
meaning to be attentive to the Spirit and how the Spirit is prompting us to be more alive in Christ. Because there's always more. There's always more. When we put ourselves in a box, we undoubtedly project it onto God and we put God in a box. And then we say, well, God could never, you know, ask me to do that. He wouldn't want me to do that, you know. I'm like this or I'm like that, you know. I'm from Milwaukee. I mean, come on, what, what could God be asking me to do, right? I'm a Canadian, for goodness sake. I mean, what a mess, right? <laughs> but if we allow God to, you know, operate outside of the box, then we too can be called to new to a new relationship with him and to new ways of evangelizing, new ways of living. And so the new springtime or the springtime was related to this new evangelization. And as he would say, you know, it's not that the message is new, but the, the ways, the methods are new, or at least need to be adapted to the times that we live in. So let's ask St. Benedict who's, you know, so rooted and grounded in truth and tradition to pray for us today. You know, what would St. Benedict say to us today? I don't know, but it's worth asking, you know, it's worth asking the saints how they see us and how they see things from heaven. You know, and I think they would say, well, you know, yes, there is a big battle going on, but we're here to help you. We're here to support you. We're here to arm you with all that you need to be victorious. So let's pray that we can all be victorious day in and day out in what God is asking us to do, knowing that that will contribute to God's great victory and the ultimate victory at the end of time, where we will all be reunited in Christ in the Father's house. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.